Should I wait to be fired or quit now? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Do you think you can love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, I never get tired of hearing those questions because we know the answers around here. Of course, you can love your work. You can do a tune-up. You can, wow, what a great time to redirect if you're thinking about redirecting. So, should I wait to be fired or quit now? Hey, we're going to unpack that. Got some other questions here as well. Great questions as always. Going to start off, how can I get to the point where I can spend all my time in my nonprofit organization? All right, how about this? I have the option to make over 110 grand or pursue my entrepreneurial passions. Dan, I'm terrified of having no passion to pursue and being stuck in meaningless jobs for life. And then the question for my opening, if you feel you may be fired, is it better to be fired and collect unemployment or to quit your job before being fired? And then this one, I just got a job offer in commission-only sales, but I don't know if I can survive. Well, so much meat in those. We're going. If you're unsure about your situation, if you're looking for new opportunities, if you've just started something new, you're developing it, Hey, no matter where you are in that spectrum, we're going to have something for you today. Here's our quotation. Actually, it's just one of my quotations today. You can get fired from a job, but you can't get fired from your passion. So find your passion and you can always create work that matters for people who care. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's one of the old Stephen Covey principles. When change happens, look for things that are changeless. You may lose your job, but again, if you understand the distinctions that I've got in 48 Days to the Work You Love, where we distinguish between vocation, career, and job. Vocation is the big picture. What do you want to accomplish in your life? What do you want to be remembered for? That's the big one. Then career is a subset of that. Job is the smallest component. You should be able to be fired from your job, and it doesn't change the direction of your life, doesn't change your vocation or calling. It just means you need to get another job or create something, some kind of work for people who care. Well, our, our resource for today is the course we have on mindset. It's one of the best things I think I've ever done. If you just go to 48days.com slash mindset, you'll find it there. I mean, there's a small charge. I don't remember what it is, but it, it walks you through. I've got 48 short videos, 24-page workbook, and you get free months, two free months in the 48 Days Eagle community if you're not yet a member there. So check it out, 48days.com slash mindset. If you're struggling, if you're fearful, if you're negative, if you're feeling like a victim, I mean, any of those things, if those are true for you, wow, make sure you check out that mindset process. Okay, let's go through some things here. Now, back in August of 2014, I got a note and from, from Chuck, all right, 2014, so that's, uh, what's, that's over seven years ago. 
Uh, he wrote me a note, knew that I was going to be at a conference up in Boston, asked if we could get a lunch together. That didn't work out. But he says, I just want to tell you how much your ministry has helped me. Now, this is seven years ago. I'm going to give you an update that he just sent just a couple of days ago. But he said, I started listening to you while I was in graduate school. I was practicing pharmacy. I wanted to change careers. Um, and we're going directly into the pharmaceutical science industry without a postdoc or additional clinical training would be a challenge. However, I use the principles of 48 days to the work you love. Was able to make that transition three and a half years ago, right after completing my graduate work. So I left a six-figure income in pharmacy where a job where I was making in the low 60s. Now listen to this, listen to this salary path that Chuck lays out. So 60,000 then, I was a top performer at my job, but knew there was more out there for me. After 20 months of this job, I conducted a job search as outlined in the book and changed jobs. This new job provided me a salary of 90,000, gave me a huge promotion, would have taken five more years to achieve at my previous job. Furthermore, after a mere six months on the new job, my salary skyrocketed again to 105000 then to 110000 six months later. Now, when you, well, I've been on the job, new job for one and a half years. When you factor in my bonuses, I currently make nearly double my previous income, that being, again, in the low 60s. So he goes on with the kind of things that he did you know, in his early, early part of this, his career right out of graduate school. That was seven years ago. So I just got this note on Saturday, September 25th, just a few days ago. Dear Dan, I was listening to your podcast this morning, just wanted to send you another success story. On August 9th, my wife was told that she was being let go of a job that paid $155,000 with a 15% bonus plus equity. She received 10 weeks severance. Your principles from 48 Days to the Work You Love have so affected my family, extended family and friends, she instantly knew what to do. She reached out to her network and her extended network, given that she's already found her purpose, changed her LinkedIn status to seeking opportunities. She then made a list of possible companies she was interested in, and she systematically executed. Within four weeks, she had five job offers with title enhancement, and 20000 more in salary. Sign-on bonuses, 15% annual bonus and equity. Now her remaining severance essentially becomes an additional sign-on bonus. I mean, so get the, get the pattern there. She's getting 10-week severance. She got a new job before she even quit that one where she got $20,000 more, got a big bump. So the severance she's going to get is just like another bonus for making the transition. All right, he continues, more importantly, she gets to work with a team of people that she already knows that she loves. She was so impressive this time that people who knew her from her work six to eight years ago indicated she had grown by leaps and bounds. They all wanted her on their team. She starts on Monday. Just wanted to let you know that these principles have definitely affected us positively, and now they are ingrained. Regarding what's happened success-wise since we last reached out, Actually, he says eight years ago, we're still both employees. Now, I want you to hear this. Those of you who are listening, Chuck and his wife, still both employees, albeit decently compensated ones. He says, my compensation is now in the $300,000 range. So 
Eight years ago, he was making 60. Now he's making over 300. I'm board certified, talks about that. We now have several tenants, paid for properties. The margins have created good passive cash flow. We've become multimillionaires. More, more importantly, we had our first child two years ago. We're still relatively young, enjoying the ride. Thank you for doing what you do. You're an inspiration. We greatly appreciate your contribution to society at large. In a time of abundant bickering, yelling, ill intent, malfeasance, and agenda-driven media, it's so refreshing to hear you still ministering the message of positivity, accountability, and self-actualization. Well, golly, thank you so much for that updated story and what a story of success. I love hearing those. Uh, congratulations on doing what you've done. And thanks for giving us the update on what you've done. Now, for those of you listening too, I want you, I want you to find that encouraging. You know, sometimes I think hearing stories of success, you know, makes people just uh, grovel in their misery. You know, well, that, they must be lucky. No, this is somebody who had a clear plan used clear principles, walked out the plan, has done it multiple times, again, with his wife losing her job with a very high salary. Did she just you know, look to see if she could get unemployment? No, she just moved to another company without any downtime in between, moved, made the transition. Those are the kind of opportunities that are available if you have a clear sense of what you have to offer and a clear plan of execution. A couple other uh, positive things just out of uh, people that are connected with us. Dr. Glenn Vo, he's a member of the 40 Days Eagles community. He is a dentist. He's a rock star uh, entrepreneur as well as being a dentist, but he just released his new book, Industry Influencer, Growing Your Brand Through Meaningful Connections and Engagement Online. I was privileged to write the foreword for that book. He says, my newest book hit the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestsellers list. Everyone who supported and believed in me, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Anyway, you can go to industryinfluencerbook.com. Now, those of you who are writing books, and I know a lot of you have that as an aspirational goal of yours, if not a reality already, but follow people who are doing this. So go check out Glenn's book, Dr. Glenn Vo, industryinfluencerbook.com, and you'll see some of the things that he's done. Now, this is a brand new book that just came out, and he's already hit the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller list. And that's pretty remarkable. You do that because you, again, have a clear plan of intention, not just writing a good book. Certainly, that's a prerequisite. You do that. But then what do you do to get in the game, get that out there and market it? I love these creative ideas that people are doing. Paul Klein, another, uh, he's a member of my personal mastermind, but also active in the Eagles community, has a brand new business. He's launching Visible TV. Uh, now, if you go to Visible TV, well, just, just look that up. You can figure out how to spell Visible, B-I-Z-A-B-L-A TV. Just check it out. You'll find it's just launching. It's going to be a network, an actual network that has just positive stories from entrepreneurs. And not, not just, you know, the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Richard Branson's of the world, not people at that level, but, but ordinary people who are doing creative things. So you have a channel to watch where there's interviews, and these are going to be really high quality, I mean, Netflix quality video 
Again, I'm privileged to be one of the early ones that is, are going to do this, but what a great idea. And it'll be where there's a, a monthly subscription fee, just like Netflix or Hulu or any of the others out there. But it's going to be these positive stories about people who are taking ideas and developing them. Uh, speaking of some media things, uh, Dave Ramsey has a new documentary coming out. This is a new venture for Dave to do something of this magnitude. Uh, it's a documentary be coming out. It's going to be released on October 14th. You can go to borrowedfuture.com and see the trailer. Trailer is really well done. I'm really excited for them. Uh, Borrowed Future, they're addressing the student loan debt crisis, this um, preposterous thing that so many people have gotten caught up in where they have a degree, but they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. He actually has somebody on there who who created a million dollars in student loan debt. I didn't even know that was possible, but they've got a guy in there says he has a million dollars in student loan debt. But um, anyway, hopefully that I know the documentary is going to be instructional and inspirational and encouraging to help figure out how to navigate this crazy workplace without uh, getting yourself locked into that kind of student loan debt. So again, borrowedfuture.com is the site for that. All right, let me roll into some of the questions we've got coming up here. Uh, Dan, I've started a nonprofit with two of my friends to mentor teenagers. I really want to spend more time there than in my own business. How can I get to the point where I can do that? You know, this is a really recurring question that comes up. People who want to do good in the world, and certainly I hope that includes a lot of us, they immediately think, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I don't think that's a great idea, personally. But, you know, there's a lot of them out there. So this question, just this morning, I did an early morning interview and was asked that question by one of the people on the panel. This similar question. He has a nonprofit. He'd really like to spend more time there. But this is so common. I want to address it a little bit. So if you have a 501c3, very common nonprofit legal organization. That means that you can take donations. But what does that really mean? I mean, what is it that you want to accomplish? Why do you want to do it in a way that is not self-sustaining? I mean, you have to really get down to the nitty gritty on this. And I don't think there are many things that we want to accomplish where there could not be some kind of a reasonable economic model to make it work on its own rather than just having to Raise funds. I mean, how much fun is that? How much, who enjoys going out to ask for donations? When uh, my son Jared went to Africa and was drawn to what the Bible calls the least of these people, the most marginalized people in the world, he found those, wanted to help them. And I'm like, well, how are you going to help them? He says, well, I'm going to come back to Franklin, Tennessee, where you live and ask for donations. I said, man, that's a stupid idea. You got to be more, you got to be more creative than that. As my son, I expect you to come up with a better idea than that. I mean, at the time, there were more than 200 nonprofits that were based in Williamson County, Tennessee, where we were living there in Franklin. More than 200. Everybody shows up with their handout telling you what great work they're doing, what worthy cause they have going, please give money. I mean, it, you, I mean, not everybody can do that. There's got to be other ways. Well, what Jared did, you know, went through multiple ideas, but finally came up with an idea 
that worked beautifully. It's where the ladies that he was trying to help there in Kigali, Rwanda, were making jewelry, making jewelry out of discarded paper, catalogs, phone books, calendars, things like that, that they could get for free, just non-ending inventory. And they would roll those up. But it wasn't just the kind of well, making these rudimentary little beads, and so now you feel sorry for a lady in Africa and you buy a necklace. No. He had interns from the Rhode Island School of Design come over there and help design real high-end jewelry. This stuff was amazing. And they would then bring that jewelry back to the United States, yes, but they would do runway shows in Miami, Los Angeles, Nashville, New York, places like that. And people paid a lot of money. For that jewelry that was created, which then paid the ladies who had made it. And the ladies doing that could make more money than a school teacher in that country by doing that. So they had their self-esteem, not just being the recipients of charity and handout, and they just could make the whole thing work. I think that's true in so many situations where people just want to take a shortcut and think, well, now we'll just give to these people we want to serve. What if you engage the people you want to serve in something where they're involved in it? I mean, that's makes a whole lot of sense to do that. I mean, but so when you, you want to start an organization like this, I want to encourage you to think like a business owner. Now, the question here from Michael is that he wants to spend more time in his own nonprofit. He created a nonprofit. He also owns a business, but his heart is in the nonprofit. That's where he wants to spend his time. Just look at the organization like a business. Think like a business owner, not a missionary. Think like a business owner. Your nonprofit is also a business. Nonprofit is just a legal structure, but it still ought to operate in a way that makes sense where you've got, I mean, it's, it's the old three-legged stool, talent, passion, and money. If you have talent and passion, but no money, you've got a hobby. You don't really have a career business. You really don't have a viable organization. There has to be money. So build your model out for your nonprofit in the same way that you would a business. What will be your source of income to make things work? Now, I have a desire to help people. And as you know, 48 Days grew out of a Sunday school class. That wasn't structured as a business. It was just a way to serve. But as the needs for serving grew so exponentially, I thought, wow, there's got to be a way to make this work financially so I can do that. So at this point, I mean, I get I get to continue serving people because I have a business that's successful enough to allow me to do that. So in essence, I make my business successful so I can continue to serve more people without having to ask for donations. And frankly, in my mind, it's a whole lot easier to come up with a reasonable way to make money than it is to have to beg for money from people who are not connected with your passion. Let me say that again. I think it's a whole lot easier to just come up with a reasonable way to make money than it is to have to beg for money from people who are not connected with your passion. And in some ways, when I hear people, gee, you know, now, again, I'm, I'm probably have already offended a whole lot of you already going just this far. But a lot of times I find that people, you know, look for a job, they start a, start a business, they couldn't do that successfully, they didn't get a job. And so, oh, God called me to this worthy work, and they start a nonprofit. Well, in some ways, it just seems like, you know, how can I get out of having to accept responsibility economically for what I'm doing? 
How can I get to the point where I don't have to worry about any economic responsibility anymore? That's not a worthy goal. I mean, if obviously if everybody went there, the whole world would collapse. There have to be some people who are out here making money to fund any kind of a nonprofit. If you put yourself in the, in the shoes of how can we make this thing work on its own? Wow. Then you can spend your time there. You can hold your head high do it with passion, do it without the downtime. You know, I mean, some nonprofit organizers, I mean, spend 80% of their time trying to raise money. It's just an ongoing thing. Can we just switch, switch, flip the switch, um, look at it as you would a business and have fun. All right, this comes from Jeff. Please help, Dan. I have the option to make over $110,000 or pursue my entrepreneurial passions. I just don't know what to do. I'm a high eye. I love helping people, love reading, learning. I'm a recently graduated pharmacist, another pharmacist, part-time professor and resident. Teaching is my strength. I found that I love helping students discover their passion, career focus. It seems like every day I'm discussing career goals with students and with success. I've empowered dozens of students who receive job offers. So I think, why should I do this for free? So some goals for 2022 are learning more about coaching and to hire a coach for myself. But I wonder if I should start my pharmacy career, get more experience in my field, or focus on a side business of coaching. Well, you got a lot of possibilities. I mean, certainly being a pharmacist, a respectable profession, but if your heart is somewhere else, you immediately are going to start that with kind of a a hole in the bottom of the bucket, so to speak. So if your passion is helping these students, certainly I encourage you to look for ways to do that. Can you be a coach for students, helping them and make $110,000 a year? Yeah, absolutely you can. I mean, when you look at personal coaching, well, it may be hard to charge, you know, high school students $200 a session. Granted, you can do it for 50. What if you created a course that students could go through to help them in this process or wrote a book or you do a one day event where you can have 300 people show up. I mean, look for all kinds of ways to leverage what you want to do as a coach, but can you make that work? Absolutely. Now, the other thing is you can also do both. Since you just got trained as a pharmacist, it may be reasonable to commit three, four, five years to doing that. But you can negotiate all kinds of creative commitments at this point. Let's say that you uh, agreed to work 30 hours a week. You may put in three 10-hour days. I mean, that would be reasonable. So if you negotiate that, then you got four days a week free to work on the other side. So you may do that. You may decide that you want to continue doing that using your professional degree and being a coach to students like you want to do. A lot of people doing both and certainly not an unreasonable plan for you as well. All right, let me jump into some more here. John says, Dan, I feel like a kid at Christmas every time you release a new podcast episode. You've been a great encouragement to me since I decided to make the plunge into real estate Last year, getting started in real estate, things have been pretty slow for me, leaving me thinking of potential business ideas to help supplement my income. I have a background in video production, recently started producing videos for realtors to showcase their listings. Right now, I'm offering the service for a flat price, but I'm wondering if I should have the price of the video reflect the price of the home. I'm probably going to put more time into a video of a million-dollar home versus a $200,000 home. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, I, I did check out your video. Yeah, you do great work, John. But I wonder about this 
you're, you're questioning being a real estate agent because things have been slow. If things are slow right now, the way the real estate market is, I think you're missing opportunities to be more creative in what you're doing. And I don't, I don't think I'm, if you just accept the fact that things are slow, I think they're going to remain slow no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what the market is. I mean, real estate is hot, hot, hot right now. And I think if that's really what you want to do, then be creative in doing that. Leave the video work to somebody else. If you think that you're not going to make it as a real estate agent, want to go into video production, that's fine. I mean, there's a market for that. Just do that and do it really well. But I think of some friends of mine who are involved in real estate, people like Jeff Jones. I mean, you can check him out. Just put in Jeff Jones drummer do as a, as in a Facebook search and you'll find my friend Jeff Jones. He was a drummer for Big Daddy Weave. The Christian musical group was out on the road for years and decided he didn't want to be gone from his family that much. He got into real estate, but he took all that creativity that he's had as a drummer and used it in real estate. His videos are amazing. I mean, just this morning, I saw one of him changing a light bulb in a house that he just listed with 12-foot ceilings, and there was a light bulb out, and the quickest way to get it done was do it himself. So he's up the ladder to do that. But Jeff Jones, check it out. If you do something that is that, I mean, all he does is take a lot of videos of himself, but that gives him a really strong top-of-mind positioning. People recognize him, and so people are flooding him with you know listings and opportunities. Another one is Tim Knox. Years and years ago, Tim and I were on the radio together in Nashville. Tim Knox, K-N-O-X. You can check him out. He's in Huntsville, Alabama. And he started his own real estate agency, and he is rocking it with what he's doing. Another thing you might check out is Joe Stump. Now, Joe's been around for a while. He trademarked the term by referral only, but he helps real estate agents understand how to get referrals so that you don't have to go out cold calling for listings. You know, get referrals from people you've already worked with. Again, it's Joe Stump, and his last name is spelled kind of weird. It's S-T-U-M-P-F. Ends in an F. I don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> well, hey, I want to just remind you, these are questions. I love going through these questions every week. Hey, a whole lot of you are participating in a contest we've got going right now for come up with 10 ways to improve the benefits of features, the fun, the exciting times in the 40 Days Eagles community. And uh, along with that, we got a $500 uh, cash bonus and lunch with me here where we live in Florida. So that's kind of a fun thing we got going on. Anyway, you can shoot your questions in. If you have questions about that, I can give you more details. But if you got questions you want to share here, success stories, resources you want to share with the community, well, I love having those come in. Just send those in to askdan at 48days.com. All right, a couple more here. Drew says, Dan, I'm an avid listener of your podcast since finishing 48 days and have reveled in every minute of it. My question is simple. What steps can you take to discover your passion? I've worked for the same company for eight years and it has taken my soul and given me a biweekly paycheck and security, quote, in return. I'm terrified of having no passion to pursue and being stuck in meaningless jobs for life. Following my interest in writing, drawing, voice acting, some others as a career always leads to crippling fear and self-doubt where frustration mounts, eventually overcomes me and I quit being left with thoughts of, I was never any good anyway. Wow. 
I long to do fulfilling work, but have absolutely no idea what it is or where to start looking for it. Thank you for any advice you can give and all that you do, Dan. Well, thank you, Drew, for your question. Um, that it, it is true that sometimes in just continuing the status quo, we become numb to what our original passions were. It's like the old frog in a kettle story where if you put a frog in hot water, you'll jump out. But if you put him in a pot of water and slowly turn up the heat, he'll stay in there and get cooked to death. I don't know if it's actually true, but it's kind of an interesting visual image because I see that happen to people where they've been in the same job for 14 years and they can't even remember what their passions are. So you need to give yourself that liberty to step away a little bit. This doesn't mean quit or go off for six months, you know, in the desert to visit a guru, but you need to give yourself some quiet time to remember, follow your curiosity. What were the things that really engaged you? What is it that even now you see recurring patterns? It's when you're doing this. It's when you're around kids that you really come to life. It's when you're in the kitchen baking that you really feel like you're in your zone of genius. You know, I don't know, whatever it is, but you ought to be able to identify what are those things like that. So your curiosity will help awaken what your passion is. But passion really is more developed than it is discovered anyway. So even if you don't have something where you're really passionate about it, follow your curiosity so that you become really good at something. So the sequence is curiosity, proficiency, then passion, then purpose, then promise and profit. You can walk right through that. So you don't don't think this is the end of the road and you're just stuck and doing something that's sucking your what you're taking your soul and giving you a biweekly paycheck. Wow, that's a, a sad commentary on how you view things right now. I want you to break that cycle. But yeah, you know, just give yourself a weekend. Give yourself three days to get away and really take a fresh look and identify. What is at least your curiosity, if not your passion? Where does your curiosity take you? What are those times when you feel like you're kind of in a zone? Build on those to then identify what work would embrace that. And you can make this transition. Right now, wow, what a great time to be in the driver's seat for making a transition into something you really want to do. Lucy says, Dan, I felt encouraged by listening to your podcast, and I love your optimism. Thank you for using your gifts and talents to serve God and bless others. My question is, if you feel you may be fired, is it better to be fired and collect unemployment or to quit your job before being fired? I'm currently at a job that has been retaliating against me since I reported a sexual harassment incident. I would really like to avoid any legal issues as much as possible and leave this job. The handwriting is on the wall. They are most definitely desiring to usher me out. I was recently written up because I confronted someone regarding an honesty issue. My supervisor said, you're not allowed to do that. Integrity is your own personal value, and it's not something that should be imposed on this company or its employees. Wow. Jeez, let that sink in. I'm currently reading 48 Days, praying that I can enter into a better and more satisfying work environment where honesty is its cornerstone. I'm desiring to switch careers and discover my passion, but I don't have anything lined up at this time. Love to hear your feedback. Okay, Lucy, here's the deal. You are destroying your own well-being by staying there until they fire you. I mean, you're sacrificing your own mental, emotional, spiritual health every day you stay in this environment. That's too high a price to pay. 
for the hope of collecting a measly unemployment check, which is not a desirable end goal anyway. I mean, go back to Chuck's story, you know, where his wife was losing her job. And did she then think, okay, how quickly can I get an unemployment? No, she quickly took what she knows to be her marketable value, reached out to her network, made contacts, changed her status on LinkedIn, had five job offers, took a job with more money, better benefits. That's what you ought to do immediately. Don't look to stick around hoping they fire you, which it sounds like they're going to do. And yes, it does force them into an unemployment situation, but that none of that is to your advantage. You're losing, losing, losing more and more and more every day that you're there. Put yourself in the driver's seat, do a job search, identify what you want your next opportunity to be, get out there, connect with some of these companies. I mean, every company I know has signs out front and are begging for people to come interview. I mean, McDonald's recently here where I live advertised they'll pay somebody $50 just to come in for an interview. I mean, how ridiculous is that? So what a great time to be doing this, but no, do not continue this until everybody's more unhappy. Draw a line in the sand. You take the initiative, move on to something better. Judy says, Dan, I'm 60 years old. I've been an elementary teacher for 36 years. I'm ready for a career change, but I'm afraid there'll be no job for me. My current situation is causing extreme stress and dissatisfaction. I'm exhausted all the time. I have no energy for my husband or home. I'm also having migraines and panic attacks. I desperately need a change. Any advice would be appreciated. Wow. Same thing. When you're, when you're that unhappy, um, don't worry about there not being a job for you. There are jobs for you if, in fact, that's what you want. But at 60 years old, with teaching experience behind you, you're a candidate for a lot of pretty interesting things. I recently worked with somebody who, having been in a teaching position, we looked at the areas of expertise that this gentleman had. And I said, rather than looking for another J-O-B like that, how would you feel about facilitating content for adults where companies want a training program in conflict management or in you know leadership skills or what or time management whatever it happens to be could you go in and teach that material if the material was already created much like you were doing in a teaching environment he said sure so he did i gave him the list of some consulting companies that do exactly what i just described now some of those names just off the top of my head are going to be uh, AMA is a big one, American Management Association. There's the National Seminars Group, uh, Pageant Thompson, Fred Pryor, Seminars, Skill Path, on-site workshops. You can look them up. They're easy to find. These consulting companies that need experienced facilitators to present their material. Now, the gentleman I'm talking about uh, had an offer from Fred Pryor immediately. They contracted with him for 10 days a month. 10 days a month. That's more than what they usually do. But they were so impressed with his background as an educator that they contracted with him for that much. They put the people in the room. He walks in and simply presents the content that they want presented. Those people have paid registration fees. They get the money. So if they put 100 people in the room and, you know, they all paid, golly, if they paid, um, well, 200 200 people, I said, if they pay $1,000 and whatever it is, you know, it's a whole lot of money. They pay 
the gentleman who walks in and just does the facilitation, $2,000. Well, that's not bad for a day. I mean, at 10 days a month, that's a pretty light schedule. And yet that's $20,000 a month. Those are the kind of opportunities that are available for people who have been effective teachers and are not looking for other ways to engage their skills. Well, let me do just one more here and we'll wrap up. Dan, I just got a job offer in commission-only sales, but I don't know if I can survive. I'll be working part-time hours, 15 to 20 hours a week. The marketing director, owner of the company, will be my mentor and give me training. I'll be selling a social media marketing product to local businesses. I'll have to sign an NDA and a 1099 form, and that means an NDA is non-disclosure, so you don't go out and take the same information, just do it on your own. And a 1099 just means that you're going to be paid as an independent contractor. So no guaranteed salary. You're just paid for what you produce. So John asked, are there any guidelines for the amount of commission, gas miles, et cetera, you can advise me on? Um, well, a commission only is, is absolutely the very best. I mean, the selling is the greatest opportunity in the world. It really is. I mean, it totally removes the ceiling on your income. I mean, you can be paid $155,000 a year, and you know exactly what that's going to mean in January and in December. That's what it's going to be. If you're in commission-only sales, you aren't guaranteed anything. Zip, nada, zilch, nothing. And you know what else? You don't have any income. You may blow past that $155,000 if you're really good at doing what you're doing. If you Now, the first thing, you have to be selling something that you really believe in, something that you're passionate about, something you would want your next door neighbor, your cousin to have. I mean, go into it, something that you really believe in. Don't just try to go through the motions trying to talk people into manipulating them into getting something that you don't really believe in. That doesn't work. That'll, you, that'll come through. You're too transparent. That'll be seen and you'll fail miserably. You get into something that you really believe in. I mean, years and years ago, there was a time and I go through a little bit of the details in 48 Days to the Work You Love and some of the other books that I've written about this time where I went through and had a big financial crash. I was deeply in debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and I needed to generate money really quickly. Well, I took a position with a company where it was going, it was door-to-door sales, but it was something I really did believe in. And I thought, this is really going to help people. I can do this. So I took it, total commission, no guarantee. Now, at that point, I had massive debt, three small children, it would have been responsible to just go get a go get a job, and I, I had marketable skills. I mean, I could have, I was already teaching as an adjunct at the university. I could have gotten a full time position there, you know, paying seventy eighty thousand dollars. It it wouldn't make sense mathematically. I couldn't make sense of it. I got to make more money than that, so I'm not going to take a guaranteed amount. I'm going to go with guaranteed nothing but no ceiling. And so what I did in going door to door. I developed a series of 12 questions that I would ask people when they answered the door. And it would walk people right through into them saying yes. I mean, it's the old adage in sales, if you get somebody to say yes five times, you can sell them anything. So I structured the questions where they would say yes, 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 and walk them right through. It was very, very effective, and I had really quick success in that. 
I ended up bringing on seven other guys and I simply gave them the 12 questions that I had structured, sent them out. All the commissions came to me. I gave them a percentage for what they were doing. And I immediately put myself in a position, you know, I was making eighteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a month again. I love the idea of open-ended sales, what you can do. So that's it. Believe in what you're doing. Learn how to do it well. Learn how to engage with people. The, the amount of commission is negotiable. I mean, depending on what it is you're going to do, that's just something to be negotiated. It has to be reasonable for the guy who owns a company and it has to be reasonable for you. I mean, typically, if you're selling cars, as an example, where there's a high cost of the product you're selling, then typically in that situation, you're going to get maybe 25% of the net profit. So if the dealer sells a car for $40,000, but the the actual profit on that car was $1,000, you're going to get $250 as your commission. So it varies depending on how expensive the product is that you're selling, how much real profit there actually is there, but that's just to be negotiated. Do that, feel good about that, hold your head up high, go out there and rock and roll. Love it. Love, love what you're describing. I don't know what you're selling. Well, well, you said a social media marketing product that covers a lot of ground. I mean, there's certainly all of us in business are open to that. We need things to help us be more successful in that arena. So congratulations on having the opportunity. Uh, give me an update um, 60 days from now, 48 days from now. How about that? Give me an update 48 days from now and let me know how that's going. I wish you well. I think you're on top of one of the greatest opportunities the world has to offer. All right, let's wrap it up with that. Hey, you know the you know the routine here. You know that what I started out with the quotation I said is you can get fired from a job, but you can't get fired from your passion. So find your passion. You can always create work that matters for people who care. All right. Hey, keep sending those questions in. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Thanks for listening, for sending in your questions, for being open to growing, and for being a powerful force for making the world a better place, and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. It's going to take all you've got to make the future.